listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Hey everyone, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, You probably don't know me, most of you. My name's Alan Emerson. I'm from Northern Ireland and um, it's a treat to be able to speak to you today. I appreciate Mark and Trudy asking me to do that. Um, I... uh, I've got a wife called Rachel, uh, very happily married, and I've also got uh, three kids, Annie, Erin, and Finlay. And I help lead a church here in um, Northern Ireland in a place called Lurgan and in a wider city called Craigavon, um, where we've planted a number of churches. I lead one of those plants, um, as well as being based here in um, the sort of mothership, which is Emmanuel in, in Lurgan. Um, I hope you can understand me today. I'm going to try and speak um, a little bit more slowly. I have been told I have quite a strong Northern Ireland brogue. um, So hopefully you can track with me. And uh, I hope someday in the future to come visit you because I've never been to Australia, um, which is kind of shame on me. But I want to make that happen sometime soon whenever we can do these things again. As I prayed about today, um, there was a number of things I thought I could talk about, but uh, the more I prayed, the more I I, waited on the Lord, the more I sensed there was something specific for you today. It's been um, a development of thoughts that God has been speaking to me personally about, but I feel like it's for you today, and uh, it's helped me to really put some of the things that I think the Spirit has been whispering to me down in a talk, which I think uh, I want to deliver to you guys first. And uh, the thoughts came from, I suppose, some personal stuff I was thinking through in uh, the last year. Um, I helped um, lead one of the church plants that we have planted over two or three years ago into a sister town in in Northern Ireland. And um, we've had some great times, but we don't have a building at the moment. And obviously we've got COVID going on as well. And um, while we've rediscovered some wonderful stuff about the beauty (coughs) of the church in this period, um, it's also been a little bit disorientating, like it has been for everyone. Um, as well as that, my family, we're going through a little pilgrimage together. We sensed the Holy Spirit tell us to um, sell our house about two years ago. And um, we have moved in with my in-laws, which has been timely um, in, in personal ways. But it's it's kind of felt a little bit, go, we're on a journey. We know you're leading us somewhere and we're not quite sure where. Um, and so in all of that, I was having this conversation with the Lord in a time of worship with some of our church in a building that we didn't own, um, not really sure where we were going, knowing God was doing good things, but I was just feeling uprooted. And so I said to the Lord in this, you know the way you have like a conversation with the Lord sometimes, well, particularly as leaders, when you're kind of standing at the front and you're looking really holy, you're having an internal kind of wrestle with the Lord um, and worship. And I was saying to the Lord, I feel a bit uprooted. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Alan, you're not uprooted you're being repotted. You're not uprooted, you're being repotted. And it was like the Lord was saying what I had a hunch already he was doing was that that sense of what you're going through at the moment is is an intentional, strategic, and maybe even very necessary period where I'm I'm doing something. And so uh, stop thinking you're just uprooted. Something is happening. You're being repotted. Now, I'm not a gardener. Um, uh, my mum made me do it when I was young. 
and um, I've just about forgiven her um, because it kind of just drained the life out of me. <laughs> Weeding gardens and stuff like that when we were kids, it was the kind of chores that we were um, given as kids in the countryside. Um, uh, I'm maybe a little bit more into it now that I'm older and have to be responsible for all of those kind of things. But uh, suffice to say, I had to do a little bit of research on, on what repotting was all about. And I came to realize that plants were often repotted for good reasons. Initially, potted plants um, are uh, become deficient uh, at a particular point in the nutrients that they were receiving. And so they decline to grow um, and therefore need to be transferred to another pot, pot with new soil so that they can grow to that next level. The, the seedlings in the original pot have given birth to something in the original soil, but they couldn't be contained. The potential of the seed couldn't be contained in the original plot. The, the life of the plant, which had come from the seed, had started to grow and develop and flower, and, and it actually outgrown the pot that, it was originally placed in. And so there wasn't adequate soil and all the nutrients that the soil contains to allow them to grow to the next level. Or to use, I guess, a biblical metaphor, the wineskin just wasn't good enough anymore for the wine that it needed to contain. And so the wineskin, Jesus warned us, would break, or in this particular metaphor, the pot, the original pot, would break or crack, which it often does, and the result will not be good. And so in this <clears throat> repotting process, there is the opportunity for fresh soil, for the seed to grow, and for the roots to express themselves through the soil in new ways. With new soil comes new nutrients. Therefore, comes the opportunity for the seed not just to grow, but for the roots to go down deep and receive fresh energy and air that get around the roots in order for it to grow. And then eventually the plant above the surface will flower even more. <clears throat> and I just sense the Lord is doing this with the church at the moment. And in particular, I, I sense that the Holy Spirit just wanted to remind you of this and encourage you in this this morning. We can't apply this to our lives individually, of course. We've all been repotted in some ways in this season. We're being reset around rhythms and practices and disciplines. And, but I also really sense at a communal corporate level, at a church-wide level, that the Lord wants to encourage you as a body, even though you feel maybe more disconnected at the moment with so much being online. I just feel like as you begin a new year, the Holy Spirit just wants to encourage you to steward this seed that he has placed in you as a church community. Because what if the seed that the Holy Spirit has implanted in your church community for you guys to steward as a family, what if that seed contains so much power? What if it contains so much potential? What if it actually contains the destiny of the nations? What if it contains the dream of God that the pot that this seed was originally in was never going to be big enough anyway? And redemptively through this awful pandemic that the Holy Spirit has given you an opportunity to be repotted in a pot that's bigger, 
with fresh soil and fresh nutrients for the seed of God, the dream of God, to receive fresh life in the days ahead. The strong sense that I had, the hunch I had that this may well be just a temporary pot, there will be more pots and that there will come a time when you will be actually replanted into a particular seed bed. But I just felt the Lord wanted to remind you that in the interim, there, there is a pot that's different from the one pre-COVID. And that this is not some um, vague, nebulous, passive time. Um, y- you've been uprooted, yes, but it's not like the Lord has left you with your roots just dangling in the air somewhere. But he is providing a seedbed and a new pot for you to grow and for your church community to grow. It's a temporary pot because the reality is we hope that this COVID period is is temporary, even though we know that it's changing everything. But uh, it's it's you know we're, we're, people are talking about COVID normal now, which is understandable in many ways, and we're trying to define what that is. But um, in in some ways, it's not normal normal because as church communities, we, you know, we long for the day that we can lay hands on one another and minister to one another. We can actually break bread and pass it to one another and eat together and remember Jesus where we can serve the poor in even more tangible ways where we can hug and embrace one another. But in, in the meantime, the Lord has provided a place and an opportunity for us. Uh, and it's maybe even necessary this period in order for us to carry what he has planted in us. And as I was thinking about this for you, I felt how we ground this in the scriptures. And <clears throat> the Lord reminded me recently of Isaiah chapter 6, a well-known passage. I'm just going to read the first few verses for you. And it says, In the king that in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted and seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your sin is taken away, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I send me. And uh, in these incredible words describing this incredible encounter that Isaiah has with the Lord, we're reminded of the context is that King Uzziah had died. Culturally, there was a shaking going on on the earth. There was an element of crisis. Uzziah had, for the most part, been a good king. And there was the fear that the the Davidic kingdom, the reign of those godly kings was going to crumble, if you like, metaphorically. It was kind of becoming more and more post-Christian. And there was a shaking going on on the earth. There was a crisis. There was fear and anxiety. And yet what I love about this passage was while there was a shaking going on in the natural, there was a shaking going on in heaven as well. The doorposts shook. 
the, 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 the place was filled with smoke as a man, an ordinary man like you and me has an encounter with the living God, is taken up into a superior reality. And it would, be, it would be interesting, I think, if we knew what the historians of the day or the cultural commentators of the day would have been saying. They would have been talking about, I'm sure, the political ramifications. They would have been speculating about who would be the next king and what this would mean and all of that stuff, which isn't necessarily unimportant. But what I love what the Bible tells us about this time, it tells us the context, it's interested in the culture, it tells us what's just happened, it's about real people, real lives, real kings, real kingdoms, and yet it tells us about a man who's having an encounter with God. Somewhere while there's a shaking going on in the earth, someone is being shaken, shaken, shaked by God at that particular time in Isaiah has this incredible moment where the fire of God comes upon him in fresh form and a coal touches his lips and he's recommissioned to carry the word of the Lord. And I love the idea that while a crisis rages around us at the moment, while all sorts of cultural convulsions are happening, seismic shifts are going on, uh, shaking is happening in the world, that men and women, holy men and women who just are ordinary but yet yielded to God are entering into the courts of heaven and having an encounter with the living God. We, we are being shaken as well and we are being changed and transformed in the midst of it. And, and I want to encourage you to think like that in these days that what if the Holy Spirit has given us an opportunity to be taken up for this level of encounter and the commissioning that uh, Isaiah was given was to carry the word of the Lord was to be a prophet and I'm not going to take time to read it but if you read the next few verses um, it's not the most ear tickling message it's it's kind of like a message of judgment and purification and refining and God doing a deep work in the children of Israel and God having to judge their sin in many ways and um. And, but yet the last verse of it says, after it says about all the devastation that's going to come, it says this, And though the tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leaf stumps, when they are cut down, this, this is the line that it finishes on, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. And I just love this picture that while everything's going through a level of devastation, and, and God is using that period to really bring a refining and a purification to his people that, that while that mean, might mean lots of devastation in order for God to have their attention, that there will be a holy seed, a stump still in the land. And it's just this beautiful picture that the seedlings of the dream of God, though it seems like they're, 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 they're almost being trampled on, that they still remain. And it gets to this idea that, that Mark has been you know, brilliantly um, and powerfully articulating of, of, of a remnant that we see throughout the scripture of a people who will continue to carry and steward this seed even when there's so much crisis and when so many others are falling away. And I, I just felt I wanted to remind you of that this morning um, as, you, as you listen and as a church community that there is a seed of God already in you as a people, a seed not just for your church, but a seed for your city and for your nation and for the nations. It's a seed of revival. It's a seed of awakening. It's a seed of 
unimaginable possibility. It's a seed that carries within it the destiny of the nations. It's a seed of faith and it has been planted in you as as a people and God is reminding you uh, uh, in, a, in a kind of holy way, holy fearful way of the responsibility to steward that seed in this next season and that he is providing you with a new pot in order for that to continue to grow. And so it may feel like you've been uprooted, but you've not been uh, left with your roots dangling. You've been planted in something else. And, and I just really sense the Lord saying that there's a particular fertility to the soil in this period that he wants you to know. And so I, I want to su- summarize what I've said and leave you with two points and just say a little bit more on, on this theme. The, the first thing is that the seed is still the same. The seed is still the same. The seed of what God has already planted in you is still the same. It carries the same power. This is the seed which represents the dream of God, the seed which he gave to Abram, that through him uh, his family would be blessed and through his family all the nations would be blessed. This is the seed of God's promise, that he has not given up in humanity, that though we have turned away, that though in our sin and our rebellion we've turned our backs on God and the world and the sin systems of the day have, that there is a people who will carry the dream of God which is summarized in John chapter 3, verse 16, that famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is the dream of God. The seed is still the same. And this seed is present through the whole God story, finding a way to try and grow itself through God's people and throughout the world. And yet because of God's people's disobedience, at times it felt like just a holy stump was left. At times it felt like the seed had been trampled under food. But in these moments of crisis throughout the story, God was looking for a person or a a small group of people even who would continue to nurture and steward this seed, this dream of of God. And And yet, of course, we get to that point in the story, don't we, where the story needs a savior. And when Jesus comes into the world, he fulfills the story and he reveals what this seed of promise really looks like it looks like Jesus and his kingdom and a colony of heaven being established on the earth. Jesus is the fulfillment of this seed. When the seed fully flowers, this is what it looks like. God looks like Jesus and Jesus shows us what his kingdom looks like and he shows us how his kingdom is going to come, that this seed will fully flower through sacrificial love, through the giving of oneself, something new is going to generate and emerge. And so in Jesus' life and in Jesus' teachings of the kingdom and ultimately in Jesus' death, he is showing us the sheer power that this seed contains is going to come in the most countercultural way. It's going to come through death and giving up one's life. And Jesus would say to his disciples in John chapter 12, In the message version, it says it like this. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life, just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. 
The seed is going to bring life through death and laying down his life. Jesus was absorbing and taking into himself all the sin of the world. In a sense, he was draining death of its power and showing us that it could not hold the love and the life of God that was in Jesus. But actually death would become the birthplace of life. George Herbert, the poet, he said this, death used to be an executioner, but the gospel made him just a gardener. (laughs) Death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener. Because of this, the seed of life, the seed of God can be carried in everyone. Because love and the life of Christ, death could not hold it down. The grave could not contain it, but the seed of the power of the sacrificial love of God was stronger than death. And he let the evil of the world do its worst in him. And it's there we see the fullness of the glory and the goodness of God. And so um, anybody who believes can have this life. We, we sing at this time of the year around Christmas, born to, and hark the herald the angels sing, born to raise the sons of God, born to give them second birth. This is what it really truly means to be born again, doesn't it? It means to be regenerated, to have the whole life of Christ, the spirit of the resurrected Jesus living in us. This is the sheer power of the gospel to transform our lives. And you might be watching this individually today and you might never have known this. You might have known bits about God and attended church, or you might just be curious, but today the Holy Spirit is maybe speaking to you and the seed of God, the seed of God wants to just impregnate itself in your spirit and bring a new birth into your life. Or maybe you've been watching this and you've been a Christian for years, but you've been given an opportunity in this season to rediscover the sheer power of the good news, the seed of God dwelling in your life because the seed is still the same. And maybe as we're uprooted in these moments where it feels like the soil that we've been in, the kind of crusty, hard, tired soil as it's shaken off, maybe we've got a chance to remember the power of the seed at the root of the plant of our faith, which is so powerful that it can transform our lives and call us into God's new creation project to see his kingdom established on the earth. The The seed remains in you. This is how John the apostle encouraged the early church in 1 John. He said, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. We just mentioned that. And then it says, no one is born, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. God's seed remains. It's still the same seed. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. If you have been born of God, we have the power to overcome our own sin, our own selfishness. And collectively we have, we carry the seed of God to push back against the sin systems of the world to see the inbreaking of his kingdom. The seed is still the same and we are being given an opportunity, I believe, to rediscover the power of the gospel, the power of the kingdom seed. And with it, and as we rediscover it, comes all kinds of possibilities, all 
natural impossibilities start to be broken down around us as we see God's kingdom come. It has always had that reproducing effect. Remember when Abram received the promise, he looked up at the sky and the myriad of stars and God had to bring him out time and time again and remind him, heart believe again, son. Remember, even in the natural, it doesn't look like this, but lift up your eyes to the stars and remember the promise for all nations to come to know God. This is what this wandering nomadic farmer was carrying the seed and dream of God. And this is what we are carrying as the church of God. And so I want to encourage you that though it seems small and though sometimes the seed feels hidden, sometimes it feels like the seed throughout the God story we see this is hidden in the dark womb of places like Egypt, Joseph in a dungeon carrying the dream of God, the children of Israel in exile carrying the dream of God, even though it's been reduced to like a stump in the ground. Jesus in the grave, (laughs) still carrying the seeds of God. And maybe you are in a place that feels dark to you. Maybe it feels like it's been a season of deep underground stuff, but all the best things get birthed in the dark. You think of a baby in a womb. You think of a plant under the surface. This is where new life starts. And I, I just want to encourage you in that individually. And I want to encourage you as a community. I think it's particularly pertinent to you because the seed of promise was given to Abram, but it was always in the context of his family. And so the destiny of the nations is tied up in the destiny of community and family. And I want to encourage you as you go forward, this is why you need a new pot. Because you've been carrying the seed of an awakening of the Spirit of God in your town, in your city, in your nation, and throughout the nations. And that's why you need a bigger pot. That's why God has redeemed this time to give you a place for fresh soil. And so the seed is always the same. This has been a time to focus on the repotting and the roots, not the superfluous growth above the surface. And so the seed remains the same, but very very quickly, I just want to encourage you as I finish to say, well, the seed remains the same, the soil is different. The soil is different. We, we are being placed in a different seedbed for a season. You've been placed and lifted out of your context. And that seems unusual, of course, and disorientating. But there is an opportunity for the air of the new nutrients that you're now placed in to get around the roots and to allow you to grow. There is a fertility about this soil that, that wasn't pre-COVID. And so therefore, let's maximize the opportunities, the environments that the church is putting on for us to grow and to develop. And as they are led by the Spirit and as they are led by the wisdom of God, get involved in what God is doing as a community to allow yourself to grow and to thrive and to allow the Lord to continue to impart to you more of the life of himself and the life of this seed. As we are being repotted, this soil is characterized by the crucifixion of our own will, by going down into the hidden places of that soil where death and burial can happen again, where we kill self-promotion and status and flesh and profile. And as we allow the soil to be the place where we die, it, (laughs) it counterintuitively, naturally, then becomes a place of life. Once we go into the soil, 
once we allow ourselves to be planted in this kind of soil, it becomes the soil. Like we follow Jesus into the ground in a sense. And as we do, it very quickly then becomes a place of generating life, of reproducing, multiplying, exponential growth, <laughs> just like the church has done at multiple times throughout history. And we want to come into a place, don't we, as people, uh, I know in our church and knowing Mark and Trudy a little bit, I know this is uh, a, a resonance in both our hearts. We're longing for a catalytic moment in history where the Spirit of God will move through his people and um, many people will come to know Jesus and be swept into the kingdom, that we'd see an awakening of his Spirit. And, and maybe in this new soil where we all get an opportunity to, to die all over again in order that we may truly live, maybe the seed can be released through us with a power that we've never known in our lifetime. Maybe like Isaiah, we're being given an encounter, an opportunity for an encounter before the Lord. While the whole world is shaking, we get taken up into the shaking of heaven to get recommissioned, to get freshly consecrated and to be sent into the world. The fertility of the soil that we get repotted in is contingent on a yielded, consented heart. And so may God give us the grace to have yielded, consenting hearts to his plans and purposes in us and through us in this unique time we're living through in history. May God bless you and uh, I hopefully look forward to seeing you at some point in the future. I just pray, Lord, today that your spirit would take your word and Lord, it would find good soil in our own hearts. It's our joy to live for you, Jesus. And we thank you for your promise that when we give up our lives, we truly find your life. So let your life be seen and known and proclaimed in us and help us to rediscover the power that the seed of the gospel and the kingdom contains, which lives within us. Come Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.